I just want you to know, I've never felt insecure in my entire life. Uh, yeah, right. The fact of the matter is, is that I've felt insecure probably more days than I have felt secure. And that's just reality for most of us. And in fact, I don't know anyone who is truly authentic and transparent that hasn't admitted to significant insecurities at times. And it's so easy for insecurities to literally drain the emotional energy of a leader and even take the air out of the progress of a team. Insecurities can derail a leader quicker quicker than nearly anything else. And today, we'll unpack where these insecurities come from and the first step to overcoming them. Stay tuned. Hey there, I'm Ryan Franklin, and I would love for you to join me every week as we explore leadership topics that will help you get the clarity needed to move your organization forward. You can just hit the subscribe button and the bell to get notified as soon as I post a new session. But before we get started, I do want to mention that I have a great product called the Christian Leader Blueprint. It's a solid model for leadership development. And if you've been looking for something that can help you or your team members develop in leadership, look no further than the Christian Leader Blueprint. And I want to give it away as my gift to you. So go to ChristianLeaderMadeSimple.com and you can download it for free today. And without any further delay, let's get to our session. I preached a message one time on a Sunday morning at POA called, He Makes Beautiful Things. And in that message, I gave my testimony of the emotional healing that was taking place in my life. And I started it off like this. I said, my name is Ryan. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm in self-recovery from, from self-reliance and an approval addiction. And in the earlier years of my life, I would have been scared to death to say those words that I said in front of POA. I wouldn't have wanted to admit to, to anyone, much less in a room of many hundreds of people. And it's because in, in, this, in, in the earlier years of my life, I woke up every morning and I put on my mask to attempt to protect my image. Shakespeare once wrote, Away and mock the time with fair show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know. And that's sort of what I did. I allowed this world to make me want to cover up who I really was and basically run from what I really felt the Lord was calling me to be and to do. But I had to figure out how to convince myself that He makes beautiful things. I had to go to Scripture often and and remind myself that I wasn't a mistake, that He formed me perfectly. Scriptures like Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 helped me. It says, And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. It wasn't just good. According to the Scripture, it was very good. And I needed to hear that. And then again in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, He said, 
He hath made everything beautiful in his time. It was so important for me to hear that everything he made was beautiful. There really wasn't anything about me that that I needed to hide. He made me very good, and and he made me beautiful. And these scriptures remind me of a a chorus, and I'm going to sing it to you right now. Well, maybe not, but I will read it to you. It says, you make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. And I want to declare to you today that He makes beautiful things. And on the last day of creation, God created man in His own image. He finished His work in creation with a, with a personal touch. And God formed man from the dust of the ground, and, and He gave him life by sharing His own breath. God makes beautiful things. And no matter how, how old or young or broken or tired or confused or scared that you may be at this time, God still has a ticket of destiny with your name written all over it. And I want to tell you today, it really is a beautiful thing. And many of you are listening to my words of hope today, but you're you're thinking in your mind, Ryan, you have no idea how much I want to believe that, but every attempt to step into those dreams that I feel God has given me has just been in a, a repeated scene a failure. You want to know how I know that about you? Know that you're thinking that? Because I was there too at one point in my life as well. And after each of those repeated failures, if you're like me, you have less and less confidence that anything will ever change. And it just leaves doubt and fear and some deep insecurities in our lives. And I really want to encourage you today that there is a solution to your problem. And the reason I know that there's a solution is because I know that the Bible is true. And I know that God does make beautiful things. And He provided the answers for me. And He continues to provide those same answers as I move through life. But here's the deal. There's some small print in that disclaimer. And most every contract that, that someone would sign has small print, right? Well, there's small print on, the, on this contract between you and God, too. And here it is. God's dreams for me are really not about me. Because ultimately, this life isn't really about me. God's dreams will definitely, without a doubt, bring fulfillment to me. But they're really not about me. God's dreams are about others. And it's for the benefit of others. And it's for the loving of others. And it's for bringing the gospel to others. It's guiding others. It's serving others, leading others, influencing others, filling others with hopes and dreams. And that's the small print. 
But unfortunately, there's this, there's this little thing called pride that often slips into our lives. And from a biblical perspective, the definition of pride is an unholy preoccupation with self. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with being occupied with ourselves to a certain degree. That's normal. There's nothing wrong with taking care of our own needs and our own interests and our own ambitions and protecting our, ourselves. That's completely normal, and it's expected. But the problem with pride is that we become occupied with ourselves first, preoccupied, putting our needs and our interests ahead of others. And we actually sometimes leave God out of the equation, and we forget that God is the source of everything that we have and all that we enjoy. And we forget that He's the only one worthy of worship. James 4, 6 says, Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. As you see in the Scripture, pride doesn't settle too well with God. And that was my problem. No matter matter how hard I tried, I could never get that to work for me. No matter how hard I tried, Ryan, Ryan plus pride would never equal abundant life. That equation just would never work. And the tactic of the enemy is to somehow get you to believe the lie that abundant life comes from the pride of life. I want you to listen to John 10.10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The tactic of Satan is to steal and kill and destroy. If Satan tries to get you to believe something, It's not going to result in abundant life. It'll only result in loss and death and destruction. And I want you to listen to an excerpt from a book called True Face. I read this uh, book years ago, and when I read that particular this particular passage that I'm about to read to you of this book, it uh, it moved me emotionally, and tears just started streaming down my face, and, and, and here's what it said. This is, this is called True Faced from Bill Thrall. God couldn't help us until we trusted Him with who we really were. That was perhaps our first taste of a true face life. It was stunning, incredible. It painted our world in colors, we hardly knew existed. But something happened to many of us in their intervening years. We lost confidence that His delight of us and new life in us would be a strong enough force for a growth that would glorify God and fix our junk. And so we gradually bought the slick sales pitch that told us that we would need to find something more, something others seemed to have that we couldn't We could never quite get our hands around something magical and mystical that we would receive if we tried hard enough and proved good enough, often enough. So we began learning to prop things up. We went back to trying to impress God and others, back to posturing, positioning, manipulating, trying to appear better than who we were. 
Our two-faced life has severely stunted our growth and broken our hearts and left us gasping. Although we may have accumulated titles, status, and accomplishments, we personally remain wounded and immature, long on success but short on dreams. We admire people who lived the true-faced life, but our loss of hope has forced us into desperately trying to discover safety from behind our mask. In a very real sense, we are all performers. Because of sin, we've lost confidence that we will always please our audience, and so we put on a mask. As our unintended result, no one, not even the people we love, ever get to see our true face. You see, because of my deep-rooted insecurities and pride, I wore a mask for most of my life. And the problem with pride from a biblical perspective is that it leaves God out of the picture. And pride can quickly have us believing that whatever good things we've obtained or or received in life are purely the result of our own achievements. My hard work, my good looks, my smarts, my talent, my persistence. We make ourselves the source of all good things instead of God. And in a way, we end up exalting ourselves and serving ourselves and contemplating ourselves and trusting ourselves instead of exalting and serving and trusting God. And I want you to take, I want you to take in this scripture right here, Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. We're not supposed to think of ourselves too highly because that's pride. But we're not supposed to think of ourselves too lowly either. We're to think of ourselves, as Scripture says, with sober or sound judgment. In other words, we have to be honest in our evaluation of ourselves. And that honest, sober evaluation is is not to be based on what others think of us or what we think of ourselves, but on what God thinks of us, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And the key to begin to overcome those deep-rooted insecurities is to know what the Bible says about what the Lord thinks of us. Scripture tells us that He loves you in spite of your sinfulness. It tells, it tells us that you're fearfully and wonderfully made that you're an incredible value to Him. And if it tells us that, that when, when you turn to Christ in repentance and faith, you can be forgiven for your sins. And you could be made new from the inside out. And you're in Christ and you're destined for glory. The Lord really does, really does make beautiful things, even when He made you. And when you know exactly who you are in Christ, then you're free. 
You're free to remove your mask. You're free to admit that you're a sinner. You're free to say, I'm sorry. You're free from having to manage other people's impressions of you, and those insecurities can begin to diminish. You're free from having to to compete with everyone else's looks or status or accomplishments or spirituality. You're free to do tremendous things for God without, without even needing people to notice. You're free to let others have their way. You're free to lose graciously. You're free to rejoice in someone else's success because you know exactly who you are and that there's no one else like you in the whole universe. Think about how good it feels when when you're being your true self, when you're engaged and energized by what you're doing, the good parts, the, the quirky parts even, the awkward parts, all of those true parts of you. When you attempt to hide these things about you, you very well could be missing out on becoming the person you were born to be. And I want you to know that you are a special person. You know, you know how I know that? Because I know that God makes beautiful things. And so I encourage you to today, allow the Lord to search your heart. Let Him reveal some things in you. Let Him make you into the beautiful person that you were meant to be. And I encourage you, remove that mask and, and realize that the Lord made a beautiful thing. Thank you so much for, for tuning in today. If you haven't had a chance to listen to my previous session uh, on 10 weaknesses that can kill your influence, I encourage you, go back, check that out, and I hope you have a great day. God bless you.